and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us today. It's Farmer Friday. Our phone lines are going to be open all throughout the show today. Our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. We would love to hear from you. Again, that number is 844-442-4743. Or you can email us, radio at agphd.com. We're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag here in just a minute. Um, we are planting corn right now on our farm. Just to give you a little update, this is day... Let's see, what would this be? Uh, the 12th day since we started planting. And the soil temps are really, really cold. And I, I hear a lot of talk about imbibitional chilling and all this other stuff that makes everybody worry. I, 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 I do. That's one of the things that I've actually told people for 30 years. Quit watching the news. Quit, with, quit listening to all the negative stuff. There's a lot of propaganda out there that unfortunately is just for ratings and just to make you feel bad. Imbibitional chilling, to me, falls into that category. You can absolutely offset that that the effect of cold soils if you want to use a better seed treatment you want to use some infurrow fungicide insecticide uh, some uh, fertilizer infurrow the right stuff low salt uh, so we, we've been able to pop seed out of the ground way faster with way less heat units than what would what it would take on average on average it, it we figure about a hundred heat units about a hundred growing degree days to pop corn seed out of the ground we can do it in 70 or 80. Okay, I mean, we can drop it to that little if you do the right things. So I'm just trying to say here, all this talk and worry and everything else. Look, as a farmer, I understand there are a lot of things that you can potentially worry about. But when you're reading the Bible, it tells you, stop worrying. Quit worrying about anything. I mean, literally nothing. <laughs> you're not supposed to worry about anything. Okay, your life's going to be uh, pretty miserable if you just sit and worry all the time every day. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying we don't have challenges we have to overcome as farmers, but let's talk about those and figure out, okay, how do we get past that? That's our job here at Ag PhD. So I'm telling you today, if you're worried about planting in cold soils with corn, as long as you're past the first crop insurance date, you're good as long as you're using great seed treatment and some infrared fungicide, insecticide, and the right and small amount of liquid fertilizer. All right, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! All right, first question comes from Rob up in Manitoba. Rob said, I get a question for you about the breakdown of spring-applied potash. I'm wondering if we apply potash in the spring, does it get taken up by the plant in the current year? Or if this is just a soil build for the future, should a person wait until fall hoping the prices of potash come down? Our base saturations are currently as high as four, but also as low as 1.5 in some areas. Okay. If you look at fertilizer prices, let's just talk about that in general. I'm going to make this real simple for you. If you believe crop prices are going to continue going higher, I had a guy tell me yesterday, corn's going to $18. <laughs> I just laughed and laughed and laughed. I'm still laughing. 
But if you believe that, then you've, you haven't seen anything yet for fertilizer prices. Okay. Now, if you're one of the people who's down on stuff, uh, you're, you're on, on the bear side of the market and you believe corn's going back to three or three fifty. Well, then it's absolutely not the time to buy your fertilizer. You got to wait until the market gets to that. And then it's usually a few months after that point where fertilizer will bottom out. So no one knows. So in terms of is next year a better time or this year, I, I don't know that. Okay, that, that, I'm just saying it will absolutely correlate to commodity prices. In terms of if you put potash out right now, will it be available now? No, it's not available today. Will it be available in a month? Maybe. Okay, it's going to depend on heat and rain. So if you have lots of heat and lots of rain, you're in pretty good shape. If, like in our case, uh, we don't have a lot of heat, and some years we don't get diddly squat for rain, then we'll literally have potash sitting out there months on end. I mean, we'll be able to go out in the fall. We'll still find some of our potash hasn't broken down yet. So I don't know. I'm just saying those are the parameters you have to look at. If you want fertilizer that's available today, that's where we talk about some of the highly available low-salt liquid fertilizers. They're great. We use some of those every year in furrow and in some cases two-by-two on our own farm. But that's a percentage of what we're doing. Whenever we're going on some big build program, yeah, we usually look for low points in the marketplace. So last fall, we loaded pretty much everything up on our farm because that was as cheap as fertilizer had been for many years. Uh, so if we hit that again at some point down the road, that's the time you really build. All right. Uh, get a question. This is from Frank in New Jersey, and he sent us a picture of his soil. He said, I'm a first-generation farmer. Finding information gathering from other farmers is a little tougher, but really appreciate the information you guys are giving out. My question is, how would you classify my soil? What type of soil do I have? I've got 12 to 18 inches where I've got a CEC around 12 then underneath that, there's a clay pan that's somewhere between 18 and 36 inches deep. And after that is beach sand. So would you classify this by the top 12 inches of CEC 12? Would you classify it as something different? Yes. Okay. Yes. Then his other question is- Oh, wait wait a second though. So I don't care about classification as much as I do practicality. In that kind of soil, you're going to lose some of your nutrients, but then some might get held up by that clay. That's he didn't give his us, question. Yeah, he didn't That's give us. Question. Oh, okay. He didn't give us the information on the clay, or does okay. he? There, no, he doesn't. But he he said, what I'm curious about in that clay is, will that catch some of the leachable nutrients, and also well, it, could deep-rooted crops like corn get down yes. more than 12 or 18 inches to get some of that fertility? They absolutely will as long as there's not a bad hard pan there. So that's what we're concerned about is the hard pan. And also some of those nutrients like nitrogen can move up and down in the soil. So it can move back up a little bit too. But yes, right. you're mostly worried about it going down. So you're going to focus on that top six inches predominantly, try to build that but, up, build some so organic matter. But soil test the subsoil. We do that on our farm every once in a while. Just do it once every 10 years. I mean, just take a couple samples, find out what's there. If that's CEC 25, that's whole different than if it's CEC Five. All right, it's Farmer Friday on our show today. We'll be back with more of your calls and questions right after this. 
If you're looking to get the most out of your foliar nutrition and fungicide programs, ask your ag retailer about Nutex EDA from Sipcam Agro. Nutex EDA has been proven to increase foliar micronutrient tissue levels and maintain those levels for an extended period of time. When tank mixed with fungicides, Nutex EDA helps support plant health, resulting in higher quality and yields. Nutex EDA is an affordable and effective solution that should be part of every grower's high yield toolbox. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. As a little girl, I always wanted to run the combine because it meant I was helping dad. And dad always said, farmers are helpers. I'm teaching that to my daughters, that farmers help our family, our neighbors, and our community. It's what I do at work. I help farmers get the equipment they need. My name is Kim. I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. You're looking for soybeans that give you the yield you want. But when it comes to fighting your toughest weeds, you also need flexibility. Introducing Extend Flex Soybeans. Elite Genetics with triple tolerance to dicamba, glyphosate, and glufosinate. The yield you want, the choice you need. Learn more at extendflexsoy.com. Always read and follow IRM where applicable, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. That means our phone lines are open at 844 ag phd or you can email us radio at agphd.com. Got Matt with us right now in Colorado who also emailed in his soil test. Man, this is the great way to do it, Matt. Send us the soil test and then give us a phone call so we can chat about it. That's awesome because Brian and I are already in a debate about what to do with your soils. I'm in the, probably in the same debate, but you, you might have better answers than me. I've got a couple of questions off the top, though, and I'll let you think about that for a second, if that works. Go ahead. Um, so so next, next to the field that you're looking at, um, I'm going to try a little Milo for the first time. Okay. 80 acres. Um, yep. It's something that's done around here, um, just not ever done on my farm before. Yep. Um, I've talked to my friends, my neighbors. They say, treat it like corn. I say, yep. cool, I'll do that. Yep. Um, and, and one thing I'm more concerned about, though, is my pre-herbicides. Um, I don't really get that second chance um, with Milo, if you know what I'm saying. Well, um, kind of. I, I mean, it, there 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 are options post post emerge. Not not the great ones that you're used I'm to in about. in some other crops. Well, but. I mean, yeah, there are not as many options. But so, what what's your weed concern? What do you what do you, what are you worried about with weeds and your pre with Milo? Sure, I think I can get um, broadleaf. You know, if I just do like you know metallocore, mesotrione, atrazine, that kind of thing, I, I, I do want to make sure I get grasses taken care of, and that's what I hear could be an issue. Um, foxtails, that kind of thing. Sure. 
Yeah, it, it's not that bad though. I, I mean, we we've got plenty of of pre-emerge options. I would run probably let's let's call it Outlook. You just have to make sure you're getting safened Milo. Uh, I, I mean the uh, like concept treated or something, and then post-emerge yeah. there is a choice. There is Facet L. So that can be used. I mean, I don't like to to have to use it just because it costs a bunch of money. It's probably 15 bucks an acre or something. But worst case scenario, you have that. But to your point, I mean, yeah, you want to try to do the best job you can pre with grass control. And it's the same thing with conventional corn. I look at Milo just like I do conventional corn. A lot of the options are kind of the same and you have to treat it the same. Well, whenever we talk conventional corn, we talk about full rate of a group 15. And as long as you do that, you're in pretty good shape most of the time. Good. Um, now, I'm also in dry country. When yep. do I need to get that out? I'm thinking three weeks, I'll plant. Uh, okay. Are you going to, is this going to be no-till or are you going to till it? It is not. I've already put strips in and there's some fertility in the strip. Um, no more tillage will be done. Okay. Yeah. It'll, it'll go right in the strip. Yep. Yep. And in terms of when will the weeds start to emerge in your area? In other words, kind of how warm is it? When will you start seeing weeds? Yeah. A week, two weeks? We've had some warmth and we're starting to see a little bit of weeds, especially in some places that got out of hand last year. Um, around the fields, I'm seeing around the, the edges, you know, in the yard, I'm seeing yep. a little kosher starting to okay. come. And here's but, the, uh, you yeah. know, we've got eighties in the forecast in the next week. So. Okay. And here's the reason why I bring this up. If you put the pre out now, um, it's, you're going to start using some of it up. If you have some, let, let's just for say, for example, you had some rain soon, you get it into the ground, it starts working. You're going to go, oh, this is great. I got it activated and everything. But the problem is if you're not seeding the Milo at the same time, you're going to be using up that herbicide. Then you're going to seed the Milo and your herbicide's going to run out of steam. So generally speaking, we will talk about uh, do your seeding and then do your spraying right afterwards or right before in your situation where you're not going to seed as early as we might want to seed corn. Okay. So that that's one of the considerations I would look at. The other one would be since you say, hey, we're in a really dry area, we don't get rain very often, I would probably wait for when rain is imminent in the forecast and I'd be spraying the couple of days before that. Okay. I like that. Um, All right. we just hope we can time that right. Good. Yep. Um my next my next question should be a quicker one. We'll see. Um, irrigation. Um, we've put some oats in already. They've been in for two or three weeks. We're starting to come up looking great. Um, hope to take them off in June. We'd like to put soybeans behind them. Okay. Um, double cropping is not something that my seed dealer knows much about. I want to know what you think that's to change with uh, maturity and that kind of thing. Uh, well, I don't have any issue with double cropping as long as you can actually get the beans to mature. So like in our yeah. area, for example, we don't have enough heat and enough days until our frost hits. So when we've tried double cropping anything, it just it doesn't work, even planting a double zero soybean. So I would say if it's your first time, you want to err on the side of caution and go super early. So I don't know what that means exactly because I don't know how many days you have and how that all works. But I, I just know be really early with that soybean so you get it mature before frost. I mean, yeah, that's the plan, early as we can. Um, changing maturities. 
I, I thought I had heard somebody tell me at some point that I should actually go longer on a double crop, which didn't make sense to me, but no. supposedly it was right. Nope. Okay. No, 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 no. Yeah, you, you go longer and, and then you're at risk for frost. So I, I don't know really anything about your area, where you're from exactly, other than it's Colorado. And I just know this, if your nighttime temps drop pretty low... Um, that's extremely concerning to me because the early frost, if that hits you for soybeans, I mean, they're dead. And then you end up with a bunch of green beans and it's a disaster. Yep. No, and that's true with the Milo too. Um, that's something that is, is a concern with folks around here and they want to try and get in it as early as they can and still right. kind of avoid the front end. Yep. Too. Yep. Um, <laughs> I guess with everything. So now if we could look at soil tests. Sure. Uh, okay, and it, well, Darren said Darren used the word we were debating about your stuff. There's really no debate. Yeah. I mean, we, there, there okay. it's it's very cut and dried. All we were talking about is that you've got soil variability, and so Darren just had a couple comments like, "Well, he's got 20 CEC," and I go, "Well, wait a second. He has areas of 20 CEC, so good heavy ground, but you also have areas of light ground where it's down to 12 or 13 CEC. You have some spots where you have lots of phosphorus. I mean, like 116 on a P2, 56 on a P1. So, I mean, that's good. That's actually what I would shoot for. Um, I mean, that kind of be like for me my minimum." in my area and what I'm shooting for for yield. But I like that fertility level. But then you also have a spot yep. where you got nine for a P1. Your lowest P2 is only 28. So this is if this is a field, I would just say variable rating fertilizer makes an awful lot of sense to me. One of the big things, too, that Darren and I noticed right away is you got a lot of potassium. So your potassium levels are even as high as uh, 11% on a base saturation K test. But, I mean, they do go down to uh, 4 So you've got some areas where, you know, you're still going to need to do a maintenance level, but you have other areas when you're up to 11 or, or you know, 10, 11 for uh, percent base saturation K, don't put any more potassium out there. You don't really need it. So you're in good shape as far as that goes. So all, all we're trying to say here is do some variable rate on the P and K. But then when you look at your secondary and micronutrients, that's really kind of where you're lacking. So sulfur is almost non-existent. Your zinc is really low, uh, like one part per million. Your copper levels are down at like a half a part per million. And your boron levels are like 0.3, 0.4 parts per million. So our advice would be variable rate this P and K and hit everything with sulfur, uh, zinc, copper, and boron. And I'm not saying you have to get carried away in the rate, but you do that and you should be in pretty good shape. Yep. Uh, this is actually a field that I sent you um, some pollination issues about two years ago, and your recommendation was boron, so I'm not surprised <laughs> to see it low. Last year yeah. I added some, and yep. everything looked great. Um, good. So and that. talk about how we built the boron up, Brent. He's got well, some areas that are fairly heavy there. Yeah, okay. Let's put it this way. This year, or I should say this spring, is probably not the time to build any soil test levels much because fertilizer is really expensive. Last fall it was great and we spent a lot of money uh, because you could buy stuff so cheap. I mean, it's about as cheap as fertilizer has been in my, that I can even remember in the last 10, 15 years. Anyway, with boron, you could go out with some dry boron in the fall and start building that up. But what you said there was great. You said, hey, I used some last year. Now, obviously, you didn't use enough to really drive your boron levels way high or anything like that, but you got enough, and it must have been enough out there uh, to make a difference. 
you don't have to go crazy on any of these things, but just all we're saying is the average farmer focuses so much on N, P, and K, and that's great, but take just a few dollars, spend it on sulfur, zinc, copper, boron, and you're going to be way ahead. Hey, Matt, we get a run, but thanks a lot for the call. Best of luck to you this year. Thank you. You bet. All right, it's Farmer Friday. We'd love to hear from you. 844-44-AG-PHD. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Protect your empire. Rule your fields with dual modes of action. Low-use rate Authority Supreme Herbicide from FMC combines Group 14 and Group 15 modes of action for pre-plant and pre-emergence control of key broadleaf weeds and grasses. A preventative application keeps your fields clean when it matters most to crop productivity. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. This is Quick Dick McDick from Tufnell asking you, have you heard of Mandaco Land Rollers? They're the ones with the green paint, and I'm not talking about the green paint that requires a technician and a laptop to fix. I'm talking about the Mandaco green paint that doesn't need fixing because it's built tough. We're talking 5-8 thick, 42-inch diameter drums, people, and I've learned never to talk about size unless you can back it up when a measuring tape gets pulled out. So keep your seed and rocks in the ground where they belong and get yourself a roller at mandaco.com. A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us today. AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. When it comes to trusted herbicide formulations, you know New Farm, and you certainly know New Farm exclusive Weedmaster. For decades, Weedmaster has been the go-to herbicide for consistent burndown weed control in a huge variety of crops, and in range and pasture management too. Don't let yield-robbing weeds stand in the way of your progress or profits. New Farm and Weedmaster Herbicide, here to help. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio on Farmer Friday. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD, or you can email us, radio at agphd.com. Let's head out to Indiana. We've got Rex on with us right now. I bet planters are rolling in the state of Indiana. How are you doing, Rex? Oh, not too bad. How are you guys? 
Good, good. What's happening in your operation? Uh, right now we're working on, we had that wonderful uh, white stuff come last week, or oh, yeah. earlier this week I guess it was, and it kind of backed everything up, so we're waiting on some dry areas here to put some fertilizer on, and there are some planters starting to roll here the last day, day and a half, so, and we are, actually we are starting to see some uh, beans that one of the neighbors planted back on the fourth or fifth, and they're actually starting to poke through. You know, that's kind of an interesting thing. And I know, uh, Brian, we've been talking about that with some of those super early planted beans. What do, you, what do you expect? I mean, in our area now, we're looking at when is that last frost date going to be? And in Indiana, I'm just kind of curious, what what are the guys thinking? Are they fired up that those those uh, plants are up out of the ground or not? You know, I guess we'll, we'll find out if it's the right thing to do. Uh, there certainly was a lot of enthusiasm around early planting soybeans this year, no doubt about that. Uh, we get Evan on with us right now over in Ohio. Evan, how are you? Hey, I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Good, good. Did you put beans in early this year too, or did some guys in your area try it? Yeah, there was a few brave souls out there. I, I only farmed a little bit, but I worked for a independent ag consulting company and lead the sales and marketing team there. And and we had a few growers um, actually put some beans out really early. <laughs> March, March 25th, and and then uh, I guess the Monday after Easter, guys hit it pretty hard, and and uh, we had some weather in March and 80 there that first week of April, and, and mainly beans, a little bit of corn, and and then this past Wednesday, we got four inches of snow, and we've had some freezing conditions, and so there's definitely concerns of those early beans they are, you know, accumulated some GDUs, got up out of the ground, and, and the first, you know, the cotyledons are out in that first unit foliate and, and uh, got some definite concerns there. Yeah, it will be interesting, I guess, to say the least, what happens with all that. But there were so many farmers trying to figure out, all right, I might be too early, but I'm not going to go too carried away on this. We had a number of guys who put in 10 acres here or there, but we had a couple guys in our area that put in several hundred acres, and I hope it works out for those guys. Uh, you know, what What else are you seeing out there this spring? you got a lot of enthusiasm, I would assume, with the market prices. Yes, absolutely. And, and I mean, honestly, it's been, I mean, we haven't had these type of planting conditions for several years. And it's, you know, we've, we've been getting a lot of calls from our growers of, you know, should we be planting or not planting? And, and, and we, uh, you know, the temperatures, the soil temperatures really have been holding pretty steady, you know, getting up into the upper 50s, close to 60 during the day, but, you know, down in the upper 40s um, at night. So uh, we, we definitely got on guys to, you know, stick with beans. They can kind of handle a little bit of, you know, cold and, and making sure you're not planting right up to, a, you know, a cold rain and getting chilling injury. And so, um, yeah, I mean, but there has been a lot of guys that have been, patient too so that's it's, it's we got a mixed bag of, of everything so yeah it's it's uh an we, interesting uh, we, we also we also we also been uh been able to get a lot of soil sampling done we do a lot of spring soil sampling and we got fifteen thousand acres done and oh wow and about you know 15 more to go and but past couple of years we we haven't been able to get much sampling done in march and in april so that's been a blessing for sure 
Yeah, yeah, that's really good. You know, you think about the falls that we had had the previous couple of years. Last fall, we finally had a decent year for getting some sampling done, but there are a lot of guys that either didn't get anything done in 2018, 2019, or didn't get as much as they wanted to do. So, yeah, that's really good news to, to get a bunch of that work done and get it done early and results back in time. We're talking with Evan out in Ohio Absolutely. here. Evan, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you call in and uh, check back with us. Let us know how those beans turned out hey we'll do thank you you bet thanks let's head down to iowa we've got our friend aaron on with us right now how's it going aaron it's going good how are you guys doing good good what's happening on your front you're probably all done in iowa i would bet everybody's probably all done or close to it our our area it seems like the big guys have been rolling for a little while and a few of them are done but everybody else kind of holding back i put all my beans in at the early this week I started on beans and I just started on corn today so I don't know it's dry the ground's fit but hopefully we'll get some rain here in the middle of the next week it looks like yeah I'm just teasing a little bit my dad grew up in Iowa and, and used to farm down there with his family and I know they were always excited about going and dad would get nervous about that man they're already going down in Iowa we got to get moving up here and yeah, this year it's been kind of tricky. The soil conditions in our area have been fit, and the temperature's been cold, and uh, I know that that really makes some of the decision-making a little trickier. Yeah, it's been a little more thought-provoking this spring, wondering. I mean, I've never – I farmed since 92, and I got out of high school, and I've never had a year where I thought, well, maybe I should wait to put some seed in the ground until we get some rain. But I'm getting – I'm planting a little bit deeper than I normally would to get into decent moisture so i think we'll probably be all right yeah that is something too i know brian's been talking about that a lot here of man we might just have to be a little bit deeper down there to hit that moisture line because we keep getting rain in the forecast and then those rain chances just go away or we get like two sprinkles or something and that's it yep yep hey i got a question quick if you got time absolutely you bet all right i my dry this spring and now i'm thinking about no tilling into the corn into the soybean stubble would it be much of a benefit to just tear it up with the field cultivator to get that fertilizer going or what would you recommend doing it's i mean i don't know i just always get it worked in three or four inches and wondering if no tilling i'm going to leave some of that there and not get much benefit out of it uh what kind of fertilizer did you put out um, I put some AMS out and P and K and some boron. Uh, how much phosphorus did you put out? Roughly. Uh, 125 on the phosphorus. <laughs> okay. So we're not worried about the nitrogen, the sulfur, or the boron. That's no problem. A lot of times we suggest broadcasting those, just leave them on top, rain will work them in. It's all fine. Potassium it'll get down it's just slow but the phosphorus that's not going anywhere so yeah i mean that phosphorus is basically most of it's going to be there for next year unless you work it in so it's kind of your call if you want it for this year's crop yeah i would work it in if you say you know what no big deal i got high levels of phosphorus in the soil um i own the ground i don't care it's flat i'm not worried about anything washing away right uh then just leave it it's no big deal but yeah if you want if you want availability this year and you want to protect some from loss then i would incorporate it 10-4 that sounds good 
Yeah, I, I mean, and I'm I'm going to assume that's not the answer you really wanted to hear, but I, I, <laughs> I know I've been there too. But I mean, as we understand these nutrients, you know, phosphorus to some degree, potassium, and then you get other ones like zinc and copper. They just don't move in soil. So unless you put them down in the soil, they're not getting there. Um, South Dakota State University ran this study. This this is a long time back, and it was for many years. I don't even remember all the exact details. But all I know is it just it was impressed upon me that they'd done this. Uh, they they placed phosphorus down in the ground, and like years and years later, they they kept looking at it every year. It it, it didn't even move an inch. <laughs> and this isn't the heaviest ground. It's probably not as good as your nice Iowa ground. But uh, but anyway, yeah, phosphorus just doesn't move. Okay. All right. Well, All right. that takes care of that. <laughs> okay. Well, sounds like you got a little work to do, Aaron. But uh, hey, have a great spring, and thanks for calling in. Yep. Thank you. Have a good day. Yep. You do. A lot of things going on out there on the farms, and and man, you can tell from the first few callers that everybody's been struggling with some of these decisions. If you've got some tough decisions to make, want another agronomic opinion, give us a call at eight four four forty four AG PhD, and we'll be right back. Whether or not, relentless control is what you get with Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Protect your season from tough broadleaf weeds and grasses with dual modes of action and overlapping residuals that also minimize resistance. With an easy-to-tank mix formulation and wide application window, Anthem Max Herbicide is ready when you are. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. You work for results. That's why the Enlist Weed Control System gives you flexible tank mixing, near zero volatility, a wide application window, and proven weed control. Because the Enlist system was built for your results. Get better weed control with no ifs, ands, or buts at Enlist.com. Enlist.com. Customer service goes a long way when trying something new. Ryan Shaw from Michigan shares how Soil Warrior helped him transition to strip tillage in his operation. The Soil Warrior guys, they are amazing to work with. They made this jump in this transition extremely painless. It, one question that I get all the time is, how is the service and everything? And I said, well, actually, I get better service from them than I typically do my dealers uptown. They're just amazing. More info at SoilWarrior.com. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. Makes life simple, and it's the secure choice. With powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. The Pentair Hypro Express Flush Valve reduces plugged nozzles and improves cleanout of your spray boom. Simply flush boom sections with a quarter turn ball valve and leave your tools in the cab. Plus, installation is easy. Simply remove the existing end cap plug and replace with the Hypro Express Flush Valve. Learn more at pentair.com slash hypro. 
Start your crop off right with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our spike design excels on variable soils and shatters compaction. Plus, the unique shoulder firmer encases the seed to maximize seed-to-soil contact. Order yours at farmshopmfg.com. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with a Bayer Plus Rewards program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards. And that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Broadcasting live here from the Morton studio, taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Or you can email us, radio at agphd.com. I don't know if I've ever got an email from our next guest. we got Mark with us right now. Mark, how are you doing? Good, and you? Well, not too bad. I seem to talk to you on the phone, though. I don't think we, we email back and forth a bunch here. Where are you at today? You planting? Yeah, we're planting in Arkansas. We're just finishing up ahead of a two-inch rain coming tonight. Oh, I wish I could say the same thing here. We could sure use the moisture. What's it like whoa, down there? Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't two-inch rain. We're Brian planting. Doesn't, Brian doesn't want no, it to you. rain until we're done planting. Right. But no, thank when you. we're planting into this well, let me powder, ask, well, I'll let, take the well, rain. Well, let me ask you this, Mark. Would, would you like to get this two-inch rain tonight, or do you have a bunch more planting to do? Well, we've got, we're getting, we're about two-thirds down, got 1,400 acres left, but, uh, uh, no, I with a two inch rain coming, I'd rather be done a couple of days ahead of time. Exactly. But, uh, if, if if we're gonna have a screw up, I want the whole thing screwed up even. So we just said we're gonna go ahead and finish. I guess so, that makes sense. <laughs> yep, yep, absolutely. <laughs> so, hey, have you changed but, anything this year in terms of what you would normally plant, like acres or anything else? I mean, these crop. Crop prices have just been running up. So has that made an impact in terms of what you're planting out there? Yeah, actually it has. Um, we we, uh, we had an early window to get some, we got some corn planted in early March. And then we got rained out. And then we got back after it about the 1st of April and got a big rain and missed a stand on the lower end of the fields and stuff. And my agronomist was out and looked yesterday and thought we needed to just kill it and, and uh, go to soybeans with it. And after I talked to crop insurance company and everything and looked at the board moving yesterday, <laughs> I thought, you know, maybe we'll go ahead and plant that corn back. So, yeah, I'm doing things a little bit different than I would normally, yes. Yep. So let me just ask you, if you're going to plant corn back in there, how are you going to kill that off? What is your plan now? I don't know. We, well, the good thing is we have no herbicide out there at this point. Uh, we sure. did put a hundred units of we did put a hundred units of nitrogen on early with an yeah. airplane, so that's kind of another one of the reasons I'm going to go back to corn. But I don't know if we I I don't know if we'll use some. I, I don't know. Maybe we'll gramoxone it off and. Uh, and go ahead and put our corn herbicide out in one pass, maybe, yeah, is what the, I'm thinking. Maybe. Sure. Yeah, the, the reason why I ask, Mark, is just we get this question a lot every year, and it is a big debate because you can't go out with something like Fusilade, a good volunteer corn killer, unless you're going to wait, let's say, a week 
to come back and plant the corn the second time. And a lot of people I talk to go, well, no, I got to go. I want to plant it right now. And I say, okay, well, now we're down to something like you mentioned, Germoxone. There's also Liberty out there, as long as the corn isn't Liberty tolerant. So you could certainly do that. But the problem is Germoxone and Liberty aren't the greatest at getting into the growing point and killing off the growing point. So it can work, but we just don't see perfect success. So then guys go, well, how about if I just till it up? And, you know, that can be okay, but if the ground is wet and stays wet, then sometimes those plants kind of reseed, they become a weed later on. And so I, I haven't run across a perfect answer. So I was curious what you were thinking and what your agronomist had said and, 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 and what you were going to do. I have, I have killed years ago, and I don't know that it was labeled, but my agronomist told me to do it. We we used Metribuzin and killed it, and that actually worked pretty good. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, there are a few guys that will talk about that as well. It's just the problem with that is you can't use very much Metribuzin and now legally replant corn in there. So... <laughs> Yeah, and and that's I'm glad you said, "Hey, wasn't me." <laughs> it was the agronomist who said do it. <laughs> so, yeah. It, anyway, uh yeah, it it it's it, it's a little bit of a conundrum, but I I certainly hope that works out well for you. Hey Mark, we got to get running here, yeah. but uh, thanks a lot for calling in. I'm sure you're busy oh, and so uh we appreciate talking to you. Yeah, thank you. Have a good day. You too. Let's head out to Oregon. We've got Mike with us right now. Mike, thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. How are you guys doing today? Good, good. What's happening on your farm? Well, we just wrapped up our spring planting. Um, got that finished up last week, which we are quite thankful for. It's always iffy out here getting on ground in the spring. We try and be no-till as much as we can on, on that for that reason. Um, the last field we had to plant, though, the moles and gophers didn't seem to respect that we uh, like to be no-till, and they worked it up <laughs> for us to the point where we had to go back in there and work it out. But we've had a unusually dry spring uh, for April. I think we're at a tenth of an inch of rain on the farm, maybe two-tenths, depending on the field you look at. And so we had a beautiful window to get that field worked up and planted, and uh, we're growing a new crop for us on it, uh, Phacelia for seed. And uh, it was planted, and within five days, we have it up, and uh, the first of the plants starting to come up, pop up through there, and uh, not just germinated, but actually emerging. Wow. Well, that's good. You know, Brian was saying this earlier. He likes having a drought while we're planting, so we don't have to stop, and we can get it all done. So I'm glad that worked out. It must have been some moisture down in the ground a little bit, I guess, then for the seeds to find. Yeah. Yeah, we... uh, on that work field, we left our row cleaners on that kind of made a little bit of a trough that we were able to get down to some moisture without burying the seed a mile too deep. And it let us plant into a little bit of moisture. And uh, the forecast has for us to supposedly have some rain come in this weekend and next week. And we're keeping our fingers crossed that we actually get a little bit of it. A bunch of our neighbors have uh, irrigation going. And uh, I don't ever remember seeing irrigation start up this early in this area. Yeah. What what did uh, the winter season do for your perennial crops out there? Um, the established crops made it through the winter just fine. They did good. We got caught this last fall planting on some of our crops later than we like to plant for a fall planting. 
and those really got beat up both ours and all of our neighbors around here we've looked around and seen late fall plantings really got chewed up it was a bad year for slugs they uh worked fields over we lost a number of fields that it just wasn't economically viable to keep putting slug bait out and keep losing acres and so we had to kind of pull the plug and say we're gonna shift to a different crop in the spring and uh spring plant it and uh cut our losses and run We've, we've gotten burned before in the past by uh trying to keep on putting slug bait out and trying to save a field that just was not going to be savable. And you end up with, uh, you know, half of a crop out there and uh, three times the expense to grow it. Sure, sure. Yeah, slugs are really tough. We we talk to growers all over that that's been a real challenge in some of these systems where we're no-till, where we're utilizing a lot of cover, mm-hmm. and it's so good for the soil, but that's one thing that it's not good for is keeping slugs out yeah. of there. Yeah, we've uh, we've uh, modified our drill so that uh, there's a one of the um, ag suppliers out here has a very small pellet-sized slug bait that we're feeding down through a small seed box and uh, dropping it in row behind the drill so that it's banded right in the drill row. We found uh, before when we're scouting that those slugs, even if you have the drill row closed up pretty decent they'll still find that little groove and crawl down in there to avoid sunlight and wind to keep from drying out. Sure. And so by concentrating that bait right over our drill row, that's where they want to go anyway. And that's where we have our economic loss at is right as that seed is sprouting. That's when they work us over the hardest. And it's uh, letting us be uh, more precise in how we're uh, applying our slug bait, at least for that initial uh, shot of it. Yeah. It gives us a little peace of mind and a little insurance, and it lets us have some time to scout and see if we need to do a broadcast application. I love farmer ingenuity, finding a cheaper way, a better way, a more effective way to do almost anything on the farm. We're talking with Mike out in Oregon right now and specifically talking a little bit about slug control. Mike, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Hopefully you catch that rain here this weekend and get everything started well. Oh, we're hoping so. Thanks for having me, and uh, you guys have a good one. You bet. You too. It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. We'll be right back with more of your calls and questions after this. Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe this spring with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. Are you worried about nitrogen loss this spring? Well, we asked retailers what they thought about Instinct Next Gen Nitrogen Stabilizer from Corteva AgriScience. What they said was so inspiring, 
We got an actor to reenact it. Ahem. <clears throat> it's a great return on investment. A great return. Investment. Investment. Great return. All right, I think I'm ready to record. It's that simple. Instinct Next Gen is a great return on investment because it protects your nitrogen. Learn more at protectnitrogen.com. High-yield growers know that bringing in big bushels means establishing excellent emergence. Start your crop off right with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. The Germinator Spike design excels in variable soils and eliminates sidewall compaction. But what makes the Germinator unique is its inner rim shoulder firmer, which encases the seed with soil, maximizing seed-to-soil contact. It's not just any closing wheel. Reach your yield potential at farmshopmfg.com. Wherever you go, whatever you're doing, whenever you want. Farm your way with Case IH AFS Connect. Now you can farm, share data, and manage your fleet however, whenever, and wherever you want. Learn more at caseih.com slash farm your way. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people, and we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. You can email us your agronomic question at radio at agphd.com or you can call and talk to us about it. It's 844-44-AG-PHD. And I got an email here, Brian. This one is, this one's a new one. It's this from Lonnie in New York. He said, we got a small cow-calf operation. We have some greenhouses and we have some row crop and we've got a tough weed here called mugwort. It's in the chrysanthemum family, and it's it's a tough, invasive weed. What can we do to stop this thing? All right, Lonnie, so we're looking at a perennial weed with rhizomes, and the rhizomes make it impossible to really do tillage or just dig them up one by one and actually do any good. Uh, they can get pretty big and tall and woody with age, and I think about this, and I don't know where you've got them entirely, but let's just say they're in the greenhouses. If you've got a real thick mulch or better yet, heavy-duty landscape fabric, those have been pretty decent options for holding them down and choking them out. But if you've got to use herbicides, especially when you get out in the row crop acres, you've got some options. Stinger or chlorpyrrolid is one of the better ones that we've seen. There have been some university trials done in West Virginia and Virginia Tech and, and some of the, the East Coast land-grant universities, and that's been their best one, Stinger. Or if you could use Stinger in combination with Triclopyr, which would be uh, like Remedy, those two in combination have been about 90% control, but Stinger alone, maybe 80% control. The other thing would be Roundup. And here's one of the things that we see done wrong with Roundup a lot. If you're just hand spot treating with Roundup, make sure it's a concentrated mix. When Brandon and I were younger, we used Roundup to spot treat weeds in a lot of fields because we didn't have Roundup-ready crops. 
And what we learned was the concentration really improves the effectiveness of the Roundup. So if you're at a very strong concentration, so not much water and a lot of Roundup in the mix, you're going to do better on this one because you need a strong dose to get all the way through those rhizomes with Roundup. So normally at normal rates of Roundup, you're going to get maybe 60 or 70% control. But if you use a very, very strong concentration, you could do better. Uh, any other thoughts you'd have, Brian? And I kind of hit most of the main products you're thinking. Yep, you got it. I was just thinking Triclopyr Remedy Ultra. But you got to be careful with herbicides when you're in small areas. I also want to caution you about Stinger. Stinger can be really hard on a person's eyes. So you've got to be very careful where you're using Stinger. That's why we don't recommend Stinger in a backpack. I really don't even backpack sprayer. I don't really even like it sprayed with a four-wheeler. Just be careful when you're around Stinger. So it's not like it's going to cause cancer or anything like that that I know of, but it can be harmful for the eyes. So just make sure you're wearing good eye protection and keeping it away from your face. All right. Uh, we we're talking about sorghum earlier and pre-emerge herbicides and so forth. Got this question from Tracy. He said, can I use 2,4-D as a pre-emerge product for sorghum? Uh, well, is it labeled? Sure it is. Would I use it? No. What, what? I don't know what we're trying to kill. You know. Yeah, there are I, a lot of other options that right. can be used, Tracy, and we, we're right. just really nervous. The other thing, I guess, the timing, if sorghum's getting planted later, you got a better chance it's going to be warm enough for the 2,4-D to work. Uh, when we get out there really, really early in the year and it's still cool, it takes a pretty good strong rate of 2,4-D to work, and then you can ding the crop a little bit. Right. So instead, earlier in the show, we were talking just a little bit about Milo, and we talked about straight outlook as a pre. Instead, you could do Verdict, or you could do Outlook, and you could spike it with Sharpen. It's the same thing. Verdict is Outlook plus Sharpen. But anyway, we love Sharpen because it's safe to the Milo as long as you spray it pre-emerge. Um, it's fantastic on broadleaf weeds. There are no resistant weeds that I know of today. It has much better residual than what the 2,4-D does, and you don't have to worry about the drift and the volatility like you do with the 2,4-D. So there are many advantages. Does it cost a little bit more? Yes, but it's worth it. So if it's me, I'm going to use Sharpen instead of uh, using 2,4-D. And again, that Sharpen could be bought in a premix like Verdict. All right. Thanks for the question. We appreciate that. I uh, get this one from Adam. He said, I got a question on crabgrass control in corn and soybeans. We're in northwest Wisconsin. We got sandier soils and we've been using glyphosate and sure start early post, but we always end up with crabgrass coming back on us later. Last year was wetter and the results were just terrible. So wondering what your herbicide program recommendations would be for corn and for soybeans with crabgrass. Hey, you know, one thing I was thinking about, too, as we look at this, Adam, and I don't know exactly what traits you're using in corn and soybeans, but if you've got the option of using Roundup, well, Roundup does a nice job. It just doesn't have residuals, so you can kill what's up. Even if it gets a little bit big, you can still do a nice job killing what's up. The challenge is when you're using the Sure Start post rather than pre, you're getting your residual for grass later in the season and not early enough maybe to catch some of those early starting ones. Although crabgrass does whoa, start whoa, just whoa, a little whoa. bit later. Yes, crabgrass starts late. The other thing, late. though, that I would say is you're not putting much of a grass herbicide in the sure start. That's the key. 
So I don't care about the timing. I mean, I hate the timing for Foxtail and for Yield. So I really would prefer to see it pre that way. But in terms of the timing for crabgrass, that's better by spraying late. With crabgrass, though, what's in that sure start is surpass or harness. They're the same thing. Those products aren't that great on crabgrass. Now, technically, they're labeled for control, but that's at the full rate. At the full rate, you're not you're only getting about a half rate when you're using that sure start. So either bump up your rate of so in other words, spike it, spike your sure start with harness or surpass, or to Darren's point, just spray Roundup. But let's also come back to crabgrass comes in later in the season, and what what you said here is this is a late season problem for me. That to me signals. Are we getting good crop canopy or not? So one of the things, and this is just a cultural practice, and I'm not suggesting you make some major change in your farm, but if you were interested in this, you could go to narrower rows, and that will most likely shade things out better. You could also look at just improving your overall corn production uh, with fertility, drainage, I mean, any anything else. I'm just trying to say the better crop you're raising, the more you can shade that crop, shade that weed out, and you will see less crabgrass later in the year. But yeah, again, just make sure you're using a higher rate of group 15 early and then follow with Roundup later. It's no big problem. In soybeans, it's a really easy one to solve. Use a yellow pre-emerge. So that'd be prowl and no-till or trifluralin in conventional till. Your crabgrass is mostly gone. And post-emerge, you've got all these different grass killers that are really inexpensive. Select Max, uh, Assure 2, you name it. Those grass killers are cheap. And then, of course, there's Roundup if you have Roundup Ready soybeans as well. All right, Brian, this is an interesting one. It comes from Brad in central Wisconsin. He said, I've got some soil samples I'm sending you. It was virgin ground four years ago. We made a lot of improvement on pH and organic matter the past few years. But uh, I was kind of curious what my CEC was and what my micronutrients were. And so I, although I know I'm low on NP and K and plan to spend money here this spring, I was curious how those results were going to come out. However, this is heavy ground. I was expecting a CEC over 20, and it's somewhere between 5.2 and 7.2. I just don't believe it. I I think I'm farming heavy clay here. Is there something that would throw my CEC off, or what is your opinion? Hmm. Well, it could be in how the sample was pulled. So I don't know how the sample got pulled, but that would be one thing I would think of. The other thing is it's one sample per field, It and when we're talking one sample per field, well, it all depends on where you go in the field. So you could split the field up and maybe take some different areas. I mean, we talk about one acre grids all the time. You don't have to go clear down to that. But I'm just saying if you had multiple samples in that field, sent them in separately, maybe that would give you some kind of indicator. But yeah, this is pretty consistent from one to the next. So you're in the range of five to seven CEC. Now, your definition of heavy and mine could be two totally different things. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. All I can go by is what the results say here. And this is also why we talk about make sure you get a good representative sample because I don't know how you sampled it. We don't know. All we know is what this sheet of paper says it's sitting in front of us, and it's telling us this ground is really light. Uh, oh, by the way, your copper levels are really low, boron levels are really low, zinc and sulfur as well. So those are 
would also be things to address. But you know, there are some good things in here. Like for example, looks like look like you have looks like you have pretty good iron and manganese levels. Well, good job getting some soil samples taken. But yeah, like Brian said, getting getting some more soil samples might shed some more light on what's going on out in that field. Thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to join in next week, each weekday, for more Ag PhD Radio.